This is Soundmaking, a podcast made by Hogan Stenner and myself, Matthew Shlomovitz. Each episode of Soundmaking features a composer or performer discussing the how and why of music they've created. For this episode of Soundmaking, I spoke with composer Ben Oliver and lutenist Liz Kenny. We spoke about a piece entitled Extending from the Inside, which Ben wrote for Liz in 2014. The recording you'll hear at the end of this podcast is from Liz's 2019 album Ars Longa, Old and New Music for Theobo, which was released on Lynn. We warmly recommend that you check out this album, which features music from across five centuries, including pieces written for Liz by James McMillan and Nico Mulley. In my chats with Ben and Liz, we discussed how the work came about, the range of idioms the musical ideas point towards, the Arvo Pear-inspired form, and Liz's process in learning it. Hi, my name's uh, Ben or Benjamin Oliver. I live in Southampton, but I grew up in Chatham in Kent. And I'm a composer, conductor and jazz pianist. Hi, I'm Liz Kenny. I play the lute. And the lute is, in fact, a family of instruments. And I play most of them from the smallest treble to the largest theorbo, which is a lute tuned more or less like a bass ukulele with added extra strings and in between we have the normal lutes of sort of Shakespearean and the Elizabethan era. I started life as a classical guitar player, that's what I did when I was young, that was my gateway into music. I also do quite a bit of teaching these days, I'm Dean of Students at the Royal Academy of Music and have taught also at the Universities of Southampton and Oxford. Sometimes I play on my own, I play with singers a lot, I also love to do stage productions in opera or theatres. So the piece we're going to listen to today is called Extending from the Inside, which is a piece that I wrote for Liz Kenny uh, for Solo Theorbo. So I know Liz from her time working at the University of Southampton, where she's Professor of Performance. I also teach composition there. And uh, the piece came about as a result of Liz buying me a coffee and um, kindly asking me to write a piece for the Cumnock Trist, which happens in Scotland. As a lute player, I don't very often play music that's written by composers who are still alive. Um, so it's a rare occasional adventure and I was invited to play at the Cumnock Trist festival run by Sir James Macmillan in Scotland um, who with whom I'd been working on a, a new piece called Since It Was the Day of Preparation which had been commissioned by the Hebrides Ensemble and James said I'd love to have you in my festival but you have to bring something new as well as your usual old stuff so that was the spur that I needed to invite Ben out for coffee and talk very circumspectly about would he fancy writing a piece. I'd heard some of his music on various media channels, but also played by students at Southampton. 
And being inexperienced in new music, I thought, well, if they can do it, why not me? Um, and I knew that he has this great imagination that he he's a, a musical magpie in terms of he's quite experienced in listening to my usual kind of music, but also is not bound by distinctions between classical or jazz or contemporary or old music. It's all just music. And I really like that philosophy. It's all just music to me. So being asked to write a piece for Theorbo was a bit daunting in some ways, but I'd seen Liz play and she's the most one of the most rock and roll musicians I've ever seen. So it was very exciting, but a bit daunting because it's quite a weird looking instrument and quite strangely set up and obviously isn't something that we're kind of used to exploring in contemporary composition. So there's a really cool website um, on the Theorbo that's made by the Theorboist Linda Sace. So I use this resource to kind of develop um, a... Well, it was uh, a spreadsheet which told me what each string did in terms of notes and also a kind of repertoire of different techniques in conversation with Liz and with using the resource. And that kind of provided the the platform which I could then compose the piece. And one of the important interventions I made in using the instrument that I don't think Liz had come across before was to retune the bottom eight courses, which you can't... Uh, so the Theorbo has eight courses or strings, which are the very deep ones, and then another eight, I think, which um, have frets, like a, a bit like a guitar. And the eight courses, uh, the bass ones, uh, you have you have to tune and they need to be set for the whole piece. So I tuned these in quite an odd way, which Liz for sure hadn't seen before. The spreadsheet looked like a tablature effectively of the instrument so I could see how each uh, string worked how what each note would happen on each fret and then I could work out chord combinations and I think as I recall uh, I I made a bar chord and Liz spent about 20 or 30 minutes trying to work out how to play this chord and then realized I literally just wanted a bar chord which just demonstrates that composers are fairly dumb in some ways we had a little to and fro uh, in person I told him about the tuning and various other um, sort of logistical bits and bobs to do with the theorbo and we played a bit and then the piece pretty much arrived fully formed um, and I was delighted then to give it a try at Cumnock and have been living with it ever since, trying to um, find more ways of, of um, making it feel like a convincing part of my own musical language, as well as hopefully something that Ben will recognise. With a piece by a composer whose music I've never played before, it will take me a while to learn what's on the page. I'm quite a slow reader in terms of notation. A lot of the solo music that I play from the 16th to 18th centuries is written in a tablature notation which tells me where to put my fingers uh, but it also tells me what kind of playing habits the writer of the piece had. So my first decision with a new piece is to figure out where I'm going to put it on the instrument to make some decisions in terms of okay I've got an A flat I've got about four or five different places that I can play an A flat on the theorbo, some of them will be determined by where I'm going next, if I need to reach a note that's near or not near, but others will be determined by the colour and the sound that I think might be interesting in that particular moment. So I tend, some colleagues 
tend to immediately intabulate a new piece that's written in staff notation. So they'll work out a tablature in order to learn it. I tend to do that at a later stage because I'm always changing my mind. As I play through various passages, I'll change my mind five, six, seven times about where I want to play these notes. Yeah, so at the time I began writing this piece, I was uh, teaching a first-year composition class at Southampton, and which was about modalities. And you, uh, Matthew Schnomovitz, suggested a piece that I could perhaps teach, which was Arvo Pert's Tabula Rasa, particularly the first part, which is called Ludus. What we hear are four musical ideas that are repeated um, over and over again in sequence. So A, B, C, D is one, the, this first section, and then we hear again A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D. And what's interesting is on, on each repetition, some of the ideas are expanded. So the first uh, larger section, we might hear A or B expanded, whereas later on, we might hear C or D expanded. But it's not always to the end. Sometimes it's in the middle. Sometimes it's at the beginning of these materials. And I was really interested by this kind of formal design. So the musical materials of the piece draw on the kind of heritage of Theorbo in the sense that we have this kind of ground-based idea that opens the piece. Uh, there's also moments which allude to funk music. So uh, Liz has some kind of wiki-wiki type moments, uh, which I, I really enjoyed listening to her play. And, and in one of the performances of the piece, she even starts kind of... Uh, there's this big moment where... Uh, it goes to just the open strings uh, or courses of the instrument are strum and then Liz started waggling the kind of instrument in the air like a uh, rock guitarist is really fantastic she really is rock and roll there's also some quiet melodic materials and I think uh, I think possibly my favorite page of my own music is the last page of this piece uh, where I introduce a new sound for the first time which is a quite a high harmonic on the theorbo, which just provides this kind of ping into another world. So I think one of the benefits of working with this kind of formal design is you can bring together ideas or gestures that might be thought of coming from different different types of music. So for example, the funk gestures or the kind of melodic ideas or this kind of itchy ground bass that we hear in the piece. The form allows them to coexist and to evolve together, but also separately. And gradually, as the piece unfolds, become more integrated and more interconnected. And the kind of logic of the piece allows these things that might be considered disparate to kind of find a home together. My family christened our new friend the Thiolbo Bot because um, Ben sent, um, you know, the audio version of his Sibelius score. Uh, which helped me quite a lot. And of course, the bot is always infinitely um, better than a human being in many ways. <laughs> um, so that was the platonic ideal of how it should go. Um, but is a wonderful blank canvas because there's no colour or shape or other things. But it's it's a remarkable, uh, very bracing um, sense that you have a template to learn the music from. So I lived with the Theorbo bot for quite a while. And then there was a moment, I suppose, you know, in teaching, we'd call it, I don't know, scaffolding or something. There was a moment where I felt able to live without the Theorbo bot. And I just put that away and didn't 
you know, return to it because I felt like, okay, it's over to, it's over to me now. Uh, Liz is one of the most wonderful musicians I've, I've ever heard, let alone had the chance to work with. And this piece has ended up being performed. She's performed this piece all over the world in various contexts. It's my most performed work. Uh, there's this wonderful recording that she made for Lynn. Uh, it's been such a wonderful experience to work with her and to see how she approaches her music making.
Thank mm-hmm. you.